This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Spoiler alert! What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 2323 of What Did You Watch This Week? My name is Mike. And my name is John. And we're here this week to talk about what we watched this week. And evidently, for me, it was a ton of stuff, but it's a short list of varying titles. (laughs) (laughs) I understand what you're talking about. It'll be interesting to hear this list. Yeah. For me, it was uh, it was a short list of varied titles as well, but I also have to uh, jump in the rewind machine and go back a week, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. I. Uh, it's funny. This week, I got uh, feedback from two different listeners. One of them said, you know, you guys used to go really in-depth on some of these shows, and now you don't go as in-depth. You kind of avoid spoilers, but you've got that spoiler alert warning at the beginning. That's true. You know? Did. Maybe you could just go in because otherwise you're just going to start sounding like a TV guide recap. Oh, I don't want to sound like that. Yeah. And the second piece of feedback was uh, one of our Twitter followers said uh, that she really was disappointed because she doesn't have access to Cinemax, like apparently a lot of people don't, and wanted to get like the full rundown on what happened on Outcast. And, uh, you know, I had been kind of keeping it spoiler free for the most part, but then, you know, she said that and I got that other feedback and I got thinking about it. Most people don't have access to Cinemax. So true, true. I thought I'd take a little trip in the rewind machine and go back and, uh, kind of sum up the, the rest of outcast there for everybody. All right. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> you want to start with that? Or do you want to get back to that? Let's get back to that. All right. Well, let's start with Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot. Just because I know how much you love this show and how much love you've given this show, and I, I finally got on board, and I, I caught up completely. I watched the entire first season, and I watched all seven episodes to date of season two. Wow. When when last I left you, you were on uh, episode nine of season one, I believe. Yeah, well, see, my wife and kids have been out of town. It's just been me at the house. I, I did my chores. <laughs> and I uh, didn't have much to do otherwise, and I had a night off from work, and so I, I really just ripped right through it. And um, I gotta say, the show is absolutely as amazing as you uh, as you said it was, <laughs> and the hard push is well deserved. Um, I so far am a bigger fan of season one than season two. Yes, because season one just blew me away as far as. I really enjoyed that that hacking portion of it. Like that's to me is what the show's about. So that's that's what I like about it. Um, it's very very dark. Otherwise, I mean, there's so much dark stuff that happens as far as the violence on the show, which is kind of surprising. Um, but I enjoy it because I'm weird like that. <laughs> the um, second season. It opens up with him dealing a lot more of the mental health issues. Yes, which I am not as keen on. But, you know, 
but that's really who he is at his core. I mean, absolutely the, it the is. First season had all that hacking stuff, which by the way, you're in the uh, majority there. A lot of people were verbally complaining that the first few episodes of season 2, he wasn't anywhere near a terminal and that bugged uh, them because yeah, yeah. that's kind of who he is, but you know, the show in and of itself is about how broken he is. I mean, this most recent episode that they had on there really cemented that home, which we'll get into in a minute, but yeah, it's it is much more in his mental, but that's because in the first season you didn't even realize how far down the rabbit hole he was. Yeah, oh yeah, no, absolutely. But the thing is, is once you, once you have that um, once you have that realization of what it is, yep, of what he of, of you know that Christian Slater, his dad, is just a figment of his mind and nothing else. And they got the Fight Club thing going on. When you see Christian Slater interacting with others, it's actually Elliot. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'm trying to think how to say this. One before they make that big reveal. Yep. It's not as in your face as much. Right. And I know when you said if you go back and watch it, it looks completely different. But I'm I'm going to go with the theory of. They probably didn't hint at that very much because they didn't want you to figure that out because they wanted that big reveal. Right. But now that you know that it's a figment, he is it's it's in your face 100 percent of the time. And as yes. I'm saying this, as I'm saying this, I'm realizing that's probably I guess the, the the excuse there or the reasoning there could be is because once Elliot realized that's what it was, then it was. It got worse for him, so that means it gets worse for us. Okay, that makes sense now. Never yes. mind. Talk myself into it. Because that's the thing with this show is right from the jump, right from episode one, Elliot is talking to you, the viewer. And yes. you are his imaginary friend that he says right off that he has dreamed you up, that he has imagined you. You're my imaginary friend. He references you. There's a couple of times when he starts to break down and he grabs the camera and shakes it and says, do you know what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very trippy and very um, interactive in a way, but it, it's uh, yeah. Once they finally have the big reveal, which is very interesting because yeah, like fight club, it's like a cross between dissociative identity disorder and schizophrenia Yeah, because you know, with DID, he would just be a different person, which he obviously is, you know, when he switches over to the Mr. Robot persona, then he's a different person. And he forgets things, but he has conversations with him as well. He sees him in the room. He talks to him. He, you know, has arguments with him, whereas most people with DID don't. Right. They just lose the time. So it's a really twisted, twisted mind that he's got going on there. And it makes you wonder, I've always wondered, was this because of his father shoving him out the window or was there some other trauma? I mean. Well, see, I wondered that as well. And then when they had that episode where they showed uh, the accident, I thought, okay, they're going to explain it somehow. But then the doctor said, oh, it's just a mild concussion and, you know, some some few stitches, but everything everything else is fine. Yep. And, I mean, he was so, just staring off in the distance, so you wondered if there was more, especially knowing what he is like now. Right, right. But we've also seen lots and lots of examples and hints of how cruel and terrible his mother was, especially after dad died of the leukemia. So it makes you wonder if there was something there, you know, something more abusive from her that drove him to that. Hmm. I don't know. I think they're going to touch upon it in the upcoming, maybe in yeah. the season. Uh, 
But the thing with this show that really gets me is that it can be so banal and then all of a sudden you don't even realize – like this most recent episode, the the one with the uh, – I always call it the ninja attack. Yeah. It, it was just unbelievable to see how like mundane the episode was. It was just like normal, boring, you know, a little tense, a little bit weird. But then, you know, he gets jumped in the alley by the uh, the – what looked like Aryan guys, essentially. Yes. Yeah, at the end there. And then, because I've been wondering from the beginning if, I can't think of his name now, but his black friend. Uh, Craig Robinson. Fig- if he's a figment of imagination or not. Right. Because he presented himself, too, and said, I know what you're going through. I did the same thing with my wife. You know, every day I wake right. up and I talk to her, but she's been dead, but I see her. and So, yeah. I've- no, no, not him. I meant his f- black friend that he goes oh, 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 with and plays yes. The one that saved him in the alley. Yes. If, I wonder if he is, is a figment of, of Elliot's imagination as well. That would be really hard to explain how he came from behind, knifed and gutted all of those guys, drove a shiv into the one guy's anus, not not his butt cheek, into his right, anus, right, and then right. kicked it into the anus. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then said, when you see White Rose, tell her that I did you right. That, that would have been know. really hard to do. <laughs> so. There's so much other stuff has happened from where Elliot has, has a perspective of what's going on. Yep. And it still happened. So I don't know. I'm not 100% sold. Well, what did you think of that, uh, the episode before that where they did the 80s sitcom? Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> Especially after you know how messed up he is. Oh, yeah. They even did it in 4-3 format. Yep. <laughs> And then, like, it had the perspective of the driving, and there's no windshield or windshield wipers on the car, and it was like that hard camera look, and just the look and the feel of it and everything, it was great. And then I I loved the uh, the USA Up All Night commercial for the, yes. that horror movie of theirs, which you can watch, that eight-minute short film they did for that horror movie. Yep, I haven't watched it yet. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Fun fact about his uh, friend there, the ninja that came out of nowhere, uh, yeah. he is not an actor. He is a very little-known uh, hip-hop star, and the producer, uh, God, Sam Esmel, loves yeah. his music, tried putting his music in a couple episodes in the first season, and reached out to him and said, hey, I love your music. Why don't you come be on my show? And the guy's like, I don't act. And he's like, well, just come on. We'll do something with you. So yeah. this guy's never been an actor. He's just the creator of the show is a big fan. Oh, that's funny. Yep. Now, so. it's interesting. A couple episodes back, I had talked about the uh, dinner scene that they had. And somebody pointed out to me there were two dinner scenes in that episode. Uh, in the fantasy world dinner scene, when Elliot surrounds himself with all of his loved ones, including the reconciliation with Bob, which I love. Is this, is this for the eat in the street? Yes. Okay. Yes. So while they're at that dinner scene, if you'll notice, there are two people missing from the dinner. There's Gideon, but then again, Elliot already knows that Gideon was killed, you know, yep. which really sucks, by the way. I, I'm, yeah. I didn't like that because Gideon was a great guy. Gideon was the only good person in this entire world, and he got shot by some guy with a vendetta. Yeah, the way they killed him was shocking. It was quite shocking indeed. There's a there's been a lot of shocking deaths and attacks in this show. Yeah, um, yeah like I didn't expect Shayla to get killed. Yeah, I mean, I realized the guy was crazy. I expected him to not give her back, quote unquote. I, I didn't expect her to have him. I didn't expect him to have her killed. Or the executive who was supposed to be the spin doctor and go on TV and say everything's fine here at Evil Corp and just blew his brains out. 
I saw that coming, actually. Yeah. When he when, when, when let he go of the bag. So, <laughs> he was so protective of where his bag was and how he was acting and then how he apologized to her. I didn't think, oh, he's being polite because, you know, oh, he's he's different from the rest. I'm like, no, no, he's he's going to kill himself. Right. I, I didn't think it was going to be on live TV type of thing. <laughs> I, just, I just had this feeling that there was something off about that guy. Yep. And so then when he started saying the stuff he was saying, I'm like, oh, he's definitely going to kill himself on TV. Awesome. <laughs> now – Back to that dinner thing, there was one other person missing, and that was the Black Hacker. I can't remember his name, but he was from the first season, and then he showed up this season dead. Like, they went to check on him at his grandmother's house in the basement, and he had been shot in the back of the head execution style. Oh, yes, 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 yes. But but he wasn't at the dinner. Now, Gideon wouldn't have been at that dinner because Elliot knows Gideon's dead, so he wouldn't have been there celebrating. But this guy wasn't there, so does that mean that Elliot on some level knows that he's dead because he killed him. It's a good perspective. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm wondering about that. And is that why Elliot's in jail? No, I think Elliot's in jail because that's the flashback to him destroying, waking up in the server rooms destroyed. Oh yeah. And that's the first time they met. And then she's like, he got court ordered to see her. Yes. So I think maybe that's why he's in jail. Like that that was where I went in my brain, that it was a flashback jail scene. Mm, I could be wrong. Um the uh well it has this whole season has been that. That was the twist that showed up this last episode was that, you know, this whole season he's been saying that he was at his mom's but he really wasn't. You know, that everything oh, that happened. And that's why maybe it, well, okay, so it's everything Oh man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. That makes sense now, why he's on such a routine. Yes, his because routine. Because he's in jail. So they yep. open the cell, they make him, and that's why he always eats with that black guy, because that's his jail friend. Exactly, and he's always out in the rec yard. And yes, yes, that's why he always watches basketball and always yep. eats at such a regimented time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, apparently some people, some of the fans out there had had that figured out like day one, episode one of season two, and they've been waiting for this reveal. And uh, so that's I was when he gets he gets beat up in the alley. The guy shivs him, you know, stabs yes. him death in the yard, kills all those other guys. Yep. So White Rose put him that that guy in there to protect him. So now that does make sense. So that does make sense for him being real. But it also doesn't make sense as to why he's there in the first place. We still don't know what happened to land right. him there. Right. But and then also his – and that's why he doesn't have a computer and he's completely analog free right. or whatever. But then also all his dealings with – what did you say? Craig Johnson, the actor Craig Robinson. there? Sorry, Robinson. Okay. Is that what landed him in jail? That's because remember, he came out of the house and the FBI is like, you stay here? Yes, exactly. So did that land him in jail? Maybe, but then remember that the guys that jumped him in the alley, quote-unquote alley, said that they were mad because they had lost all the Bitcoin from his site. Right, but... So maybe they know that he's in jail because of that? But at the same time, if this Craig Johnson fella is a big mucky muck in jail... He could have access to a computer and to do all that stuff, but yep. I don't know. Because all his dealings is online. Right. And how cool was it, by the way, when he did get jumped in there, the way that they did the camera work so that every time he was punched in the face, it oh, was Christian Slater? Well, because earlier, Christian Slater said to him, I'm trying to take that hit for you. Yes. 
Yeah, everything that he's been doing has been so that he can protect Elliot from having to take the hits, having to take the damage. Man, see, now I want to go back and watch those episodes again. <laughs> right? Yeah, I didn't have that Think about that thought process in there. That, think that, about that every time that somebody's time. come to visit him. It's always been that they have sat in the dining room across oh, the table. Oh, that's true. That's true. At, at, at his mom's oh. house, quote-unquote. And his, his his friend Angela there, or his sister, one of them makes some sort of reference about the guard or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. So he could have been in jail this whole time, I guess. But we don't I wonder if in episode time. eight they're going to explain that a little bit better because I watched that whole season to pick up on that. And then when they did that big reveal finally and showed us that he's in jail, mm-hmm. I assumed it was some sort of flashback scene. I guess I didn't watch that episode very carefully, maybe. That's quite all right. They're fun to watch again, especially when you have new info like that. Because that was episode seven. Yes. And I watched the first half, and then I had a break before I could watch the second half. And I was kind of tired because I just got out of work and I finished it. Ah, gotcha. Um, Now, the other interesting thing that I'm wondering is... I'm a little annoyed with myself. (laughs) Moving on. That's why we have this show. Where is Tyrell? Because Mr. Robot told Elliot... I killed him. I shot him. I reached into the popcorn. Yeah, I gun and yeah. I shot him because he was going to stop things. But then who keeps calling his wife? Who keeps sending messages on the burner phone? Yeah. You know. Who's, who's sending the gifts? Yeah. And that, then that, we did see Tyrell because he was the man in the trunk in the 80s episode or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Who then hopped down the street. <laughs> and ran into the uh, backdrop. Yep. Which was funny as hell. Yeah, it was quite Loved cool. it. But yeah, so we still don't know what's going on with him. Is he really dead or is he alive? Why hasn't he made his presence known to his wife? Yeah. It's hard. Interesting. It's very hard. Interesting. <laughs> but bottom line is you like it. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I'm definitely fully on board. Yeah. I, and I had a feeling I would like it. Like it, that doesn't surprise me at all. It's just trying to get there to finally have the time to watch it. So right. Well, yeah. especially you know you were a season and a half behind. And granted, they're shorter seasons, but the more episodes that pile on, the harder it gets to be like, oh, I really should sit down. Yeah, but dude, those videos—not those videos. Those um um. I can't think of the word I want to use. I'm, I'm saying videos, and I know that's not it. Episodes? Yes, thank you. Those episodes were um, – they're almost like an hour long each. I mean, they're long episodes. They're 50 yes. minutes. You know, yep. They're a solid 50 to – I mean, even episode uh, season two, I think. I, I want to say there was a couple that were an hour, hour yes. and four minutes or something. I mean, yeah, the those first, are definitely long episodes. The first episode of season two that has the little intermission, which I loved, yeah. um, was – Technically two episodes, but they were each like 50, 55 minutes. You know, it was like a two-hour block, and there was very limited commercial interruption. Yeah. I just – I like I've said before, and I think you'll get with me now, I can't sell this show hard enough. It is such a mind trip. Also, it's also a very unprecedented thing for the USA Network to air a show like this. Yes. Because it is eating up so much time for every episode. Yep. And, and it's like you can really see that the time constraints that they, they try to stick to of like, oh, it's an hour long, so we only have one hour block for it. No, they're like – they're running stuff. It's like an hour and 20 yep. commercials, you know, so. And it's hard to remember sometimes that it's on USA unless they do the station bumps, but 
Yeah. It's so dark and there's such heavy stuff. I mean, literally suicide, murder, you know, oh, yeah. getting a shiv shoved up your anus. Right, um, right. That you forget that this is on USA. Yeah, yeah. And then when the guy committed, uh, shot himself on TV, like the whole blood bubbling up out of the face and nose, yep. for whatever reason, my mind goes, oh, finally, that's that's realistic. That's what happens. Yes. That, that's one thing. That's the one thing. If you ask me to give one word to all this show, I would say realistic. Yeah. A lot of the dialogue feels very realistic. You know, I was genuinely, even watching it with you the sec- uh, third time, sorry, watching his interactions the first time with Vera yeah. while they're sitting in the apartment and Vera's waving the gun around and talking to him. I still, like, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up because yeah. it feels like I've had conversations like that with creepy guys like that. Yeah. The, uh, watching Darlene walk through the police station parking lot and just drop like two dozen USB drives because she put malware on all of them and figured somebody would be dumb enough to pick it up and be like, Oh, I'll put it in the computer and see what happens. Yep. You know, rather than Scorpion on CBS, that's like, Oh, hold on. Click, 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 click. I'm into the Pentagon. Yeah. It's definitely gives you a different perspective on what quote unquote hacking really is. Like, they definitely present it in a more realistic light of, like, this is what you would have to do. You just can't type keys and get in there. Right, right. Yeah. They did a behind-the-scenes. Uh, they have a little after show on uh, online, USA's website. Yeah. The, the first one was actually on TV, and then every other one's been online. But they were talking to the guys, and they said whenever they do anything, whether it's uh, compressing a video file or hacking or anything like that, they have experts on hand that show them how to do it so that they can write it in that way. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. Hmm. Oh, Interesting. So they've <laughs> done two big, two big uh, kind of like reveals now each season. The first one being his dad is a figment, and then the second one being he's been in prison the whole time. Yep. And same as well done. Sam Esmol said that he didn't really – it wasn't his goal to do a big reveal every season. But, yeah, it just happened that way. Well, the reason that he did it this season with the whole jail and mom's house thing was he said yeah. that he really wanted to express to people, show them exactly what it's like for Elliot to use his coping mechanisms. you yeah. know. And his coping mechanism is to put himself in a happier place or yeah. feel like he has some kind of control. So, you know – it. In that respect, it's beautifully done. He says, this is not a norm. I'm not going to do a big reveal every season, but. I like uh, in both seasons, we've had this moment where Elliot has like, I'm not going to say a moment of clarity, but like in the second season is when he has the Adderall. Yes. And he's just like bright eyed and like, wow, everything's amazing. (laughs) I can see why people like sports, slam dunk, on and on and on. And in the first season, he has that moment where he's just like, all right, this is how it is. And he acts all like happy-go-lucky, and he has like that Starbucks drink or whatever. And he goes to Gideon. He's like, is that invitation still on? I'll take it. And he walks off, and Gideon's like, did he just have a Starbucks drink in his hand? Like, (laughs) So they've had two of those type of things because otherwise you look at that actor and you just think, man, if that's a – it's hard to not see him in that light because he's so – Gary all the time. Yeah. But then when you see those moments, it's like, ah, right, okay. And clearly they use a lot of makeup around his eyes. Yeah. Uh, well, he's natural. There are some scenes, you're right, that it's really thick in there. But he naturally has odd eyes like that. Yeah, but I, they, they must darken around them in a way to make them stand out more. Because, yeah. like, if you look at pictures of him normally, like, on the red carpet, then <laughs> it, his eyes aren't, like, as buggy. Right. But yes, he does have some naturally weird, weird eyes. 
Weird features in general. Yeah, yeah. Great guy, though. So I would like to go from as dark as we just were as to as super light as you can be. Oh, God. Is this going to be Care Bears? No. On my list, I guess. On the list of stuff that I have to talk okay. about. All go right. So uh, earlier this week, uh, I was at work. I had my tablet, and I was just like, you know what? I want to watch. I want to have something on the background, and I don't. I didn't want to watch a full movie. I didn't want to have to devote lots of attention to it. I just needed background stuff. And so I threw on the first episode of the second season of Girl Meets World. And before anyone says anything about a 37-year-old man watching Girl Meets World, I loved Boy Meets World when I was a kid. I thought it was a phenomenal show. And so naturally, I'm going to watch the show that has the parents that were the kids that when I watched it. You know what I mean? So anyways, uh, <clears throat> that being said, I really I feel you. I really love this show. It's so great. Like, and it's it, and there's a lot of nostalgia into it because, like, all right, so I had watched the first season with my daughter, actually, which made more sense, I guess. But then I had the second season, she didn't care about watching it. And, of course, like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, I know they're, like, halfway through the third season now anyways. But anyway, so there's a couple things in there. Like, for a nostalgia feeling for someone like me that grew up watching the show and then watched it in reruns when he was kind of in his early 20s or whatever, it's great because we get to see, like, Mr. Feeney in here. In the first season, he just had a quick cameo. But in this season, he has a couple pretty pretty good size appearances. And we get to see, you know, Sean comes back. And then they even had a way of bringing uh, Sean's dad, Chet, the actor that played him back for an episode, even though his character's dead. They managed to bring him back for a little cameo. And uh, Eric came back this year. And then Mr. Turner came back this year. Their cool leather jacket, motorcycle-wearing teacher from, you know, the only season where Mr. Feeney wasn't their teacher. <laughs> and Angela even comes back. And then there's, like, talks that in this third season that the the two girl little girls that played the little sister Morgan, they're going to be in, like, this third season finale in what aspect, I don't know. But it's just kind of cool because you're seeing these characters that you liked, plus Corey and Topanga in every episode. And uh, Minkus is in it, and there's... A few other characters, like Harley, who's a janitor at the school Corey works at, and then just some other characters that were on the original series, major and minor, that have been making cameos or popping in or whatever, and it's kind of neat. And then every episode, like the original series, every episode has a good wholesome message, and it has a good story, and it's not like, so far at least, they, they don't have those very special episodes you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, the uh, teenage drinking and driving. Episode. Or drugs or pregnancy or this or right. that or whatever. It's just – it's a really lighthearted show, and that's kind of a nice – I mean, it has their serious, dramatic, you know, teary-eyed moments, if you will. But it's more they're pulling on your heartstrings than they are going for um, realism, if you will. Okay. So it's just kind of a nice, wholesome show, and there is a lesson learned in each one. And they have – like, they have poked fun at the fact that – like, there's this line where, like, Corey and Topanga have their daughter, Riley, and they have their son, Augie, and Riley's 14 or whatever, and she has her best friend, her version of Sean as her best friend. Um, and then Riley, and then Riley's younger brother, Augie, I think he's probably, like, six or seven or something like that. So, anyways, there's this scene where Augie's, they're talking about Mr. Feeney, and Augie says, like, Mr. Feeney was your teacher all through grammar school? Uh-huh. And high school? Yeah. And college? Yeah. I know, kind of weird. And then she he, and Riley just goes, they could never do that now. And Corey's character's like, we'll see. 
because he was their, <laughs> he was their teacher the first season. Uh huh. And then the second season, he wasn't supposed to be their teacher in the first episode, but then they did something to scare her away, and she quit and retired. And so he got stuck being their teacher for the second season. Uh. And then now they've worked it out for the. And now they're going off to high school because they were at. Uh, John Quincy Adams Middle School, and supposed to John Adams Middle School, or whatever, like in the original <laughs> series. Okay. So they're John Quincy Adams Middle School, and it's in New York instead of Philadelphia. And so now he's their teacher again, and they're now they're all graduating and gone off to high school. And so, like, the parents and the students and this and that all work together to get Corey a job up at the high school so he can continue teaching them lessons. So that's how they've played it. So now he's going to teach them at Abigail Adams High School. Interesting. Now, and Mr. Turner, who was their teacher in the uh, that one season in the original series, he is now the superintendent of schools for that school district in New York, and he's the one that originally hired Corey to begin with. We ah. find out the second season. So they have pull with the, with the superintendent. So I don't know. It just So it's kind of funny how they've made fun of that with the Mr. Feeney thing, and then they're doing the same thing. That's funny. I like that. I like yeah. when they do stuff like that. Yeah, so I don't know. I just, nostalgia-wise, it's a really good show. And then you burn through the episodes like that because they're like 20 minutes apiece. And I realize there's, I think there's 31 episodes in the second season. <laughs> <laughs> but I still managed to watch them in like two and a half days. <laughs> oh, it's kind of sad. I mean, between Mr. Robot and, and Girl Meets World, I watched, you know, like 48 episodes of TV shows, something like that. Good God. Yeah. That's yeah. massive. Yeah, and well, again, I mowed the lawn too, <laughs> and I Excellent. worked a bunch, and I worked a bunch of overtime. So yeah, yeah, I only have a couple more shows to talk about, and then for me, it's all trailers and news. I have, um, yeah, because, I have a few as well because I did watch a lot of shows, but it was the bulk of it was two shows, right? <laughs> um. This week I started a new show based on a suggestion from somebody else. It's a Hulu original. You might have seen it. It's an animated show called The Awesomes. I've seen commercial after commercial for that. So It's a funny show. It's definitely like um, the jokes are good, but they're very like uh, <sighs> light. I don't quite know what, what I'm trying to say here. But basically uh, it starts off with Mr. Awesome is – retiring from leading the awesomes. Mr. Awesome's kind of like the Superman kind of, and uh, he's naming a successor and the successor to take over his team is going to be Mr. Perfect, who's even more Superman-ish. But his son wanted to be Mr. Uh, You know, run the awesomes. He thought that he could be the, the new leader and he's not because he's a wimp and he's a wuss and he has no superpowers except for the fact that he can stop time whenever he wants. But when he does, it makes him sick and he could die from it. I've always wanted that superpower. Not to sick and die, but remember right. from, from uh, oh, what's it called? Captain – the Nintendo TV show. You know what I'm talking about. Captain N? Captain N, yeah. And he had the, the Nintendo remote as a the belt pause. buckle. And he'd go, pause! And he'd hit pause. Like, ever since that show, I'm like, I want that power. Yep. And still to this day, I sometimes think of what I could do with that power. Oh, I know. If I had it. Like, if someone was annoying the crap out of me. <laughs> pause! Then put them in an embarrassing scenario. Unpause! <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Go ahead. You're... Sorry. So, yeah, his son 
he calls himself Proc because he's both a professor and a doctor. Uh, so Proc wants to lead the team, but his dad's like, no, you're too much of a wuss. And then Mr. Perfect goes on and says, oh, but nobody could ever lead this team, so I could never fill your shoes, so I'm I'm not going to take the job. And all the awesomes basically go away, so that leaves Proc to pick up the pieces and recruit a new team of awesomes so that they can keep their government funding and keep their base. So it's what you'd expect. It's the mismatched group. You know, there's Sumo, the 11-year-old kid who, when he gets yep. mad, turns into a giant sumo wrestler. Um, sure. There's one guy who has a magical gem that lets him conjure anything he can think of, you know, very Green Lantern-esque. The only problem is that he has severe mommy issues, so everything that he conjures is some version of his mother. So, like, oh, if it's a geez. missile, it's his mother's head for the warhead. and <laughs> Yeah, it, and it's funny because it's uh, Kel Thompson. The, is him, he's impresario, but he's yeah. also the voice of the mother. So it's really funny to hear him branch out like that. But it's a fun show. It, they're little 21, 22-minute episodes. Uh, Seth Meyers actually wrote it. It's kind of funny. He plays Proc, uh, the loser leader. Yep. And Mr. Perfect is played by his real-life uh, older brother. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So he actually wrote the show so that his brother could be Mr. Perfect and he would be the quote-unquote loser. Oh, that's kind of funny, actually. Yeah. yeah, I like stuff like that. But, yeah, that's an enjoyable show. I've got about four episodes under my belt. Um, they just did origin stories while they were trapped in their version of the Danger Room. And uh, now we're learning that Sumo's parents were villains. <gasps> Gasp. But, yeah, I enjoy Twist. it. Um, if you If you like cartoons about superheroes that are kind of mismatched. I recommend it. I think it's fun. I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah. That's my push for that. Okay. Um, so Amazon had their pilots. Oh, I haven't watched those yet. Yesterday. And I started watching the tick one and it is a, I, I didn't finish it. I was just too tired. And it is a far, so far, Tick, the tick is the tick. Like he's the same type of, you know, numbskull, bumbling, yeah. muscle-bound character. Um, and then Arthur's the still sheepish, down on himself. You know, he's still shy, introverted. What? He's still a moth, right? We haven't seen his costume yet. In oh, okay. I've seen. Um, but it is. It, well, first off, let's start. Over. It's TV fourteen, and the warnings are for graphic violence and language or something like that. And so it's kind of surprising. Um, it's very dark so far from what I've seen. It's a far departure from the Robert Warburton series, which was kind of lighthearted and more comical. And you know what I mean? You mean Patrick Warburton. I say Robert. Yes, you did. Okay, Patrick Warburton series. It's it's a far departure from that. From or the cartoon? So far. Or way far from the cartoon as well. Okay. So from what I've seen, it's way darker. Like I said, I haven't watched the whole thing. I just I just want to throw that out there. But I did watch all of Jean-Claude Van Johnson, and it is absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. I cannot say how amazingly awesome this is enough. Like, I may have to get Amazon Prime so I can watch this. Because this was just – because they – I mean, you could – was why? amazing. Okay. Tell me why. All right. So, all right. So, it's TVMA, just so you start. It's for, there's nudity, there's just a woman's butt, and there's violence and language and whatnot. 
So basically what it is is Jean-Claude Van Damme is, is playing a spoof version of himself. And in this reality, Jean-Claude Van Damme, the actor, was actually a black ops agent named Jean-Claude Van Johnson. And okay. Jean-Claude Van Damme was his cover. Being an actor, being in all these action <laughs> movies and everything like that was 100% cover okay. for the fact that he's a black ops agent. Now, in the show, he is a 60-year-old man, I think, like he is now, however old he is in real life. I'm pretty sure it's 60, though. And he's been retired for a couple of years from both acting and being a black ops agent. And then finally, he's just like, he goes to this place called uh, Dry Ramen, and it's D-R-I Ramen. And then I'm watching it, and he's sitting there, and, and you can tell he's not really happy with life. And then the waiter brings him basically a package of dry ramen noodles with the, with the, with the flavor packaging sprinkled on the top and some little other like uh, ornamental, de- you know, decorative vegetables or whatever. And he just goes, this is, this is dry. And the guy goes, yeah, we're called dry ramen. And he's like, well, can you put some water on this? And he's like, no, this is actually like a pop-up restaurant. We don't even have access to the water. We won't be here tomorrow, but it's just hilarious because like he's, He's at it, and then he gets mistaken for Nicolas Cage, and uh, oh, and it's terrible! I know, right? And so, and then they, you know, they make fun of the very first minute of the movie. He's in this warehouse, and you think that he goes. Uh, he's the very first scene of this movie. He's in this warehouse, the show. I mean, he's in this warehouse, and. Like he's doing a voiceover, and there's these, this this guy running at him with a billy club, and there's a bunch of other guards around, and it looks like it's a scene from a movie or something. And he, you know, he talks about being Jean Claude Van Damme, and he used to be the master of the split or something like that. And he goes to do a split, but he gets stuck halfway, and okay. then he's beaten the face, gets beaten the face with the stick, and so it's just like, and right away I'm laughing, like I can't even remember the, I honestly can't remember what the voiceover was. I've only watched it one time. I'm probably gonna watch it a bunch more, rewatch it over and over again if I can. Um, but you know, and then it cuts to all right. Now we find out he's retired, and then he is actually a secret agent, and Felicia Rashad, you know, Claire Huxtable is his agent, his his TV, his movie agent slash. Black Ops Handler, and it's just done in such an amazing way, and he gets back into it, so of course he gets back into having to film a movie, and so he's filming the movie, and it's a, it's a spin on Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer, except he's playing Huckleberry Finn, and the, the girl's Tom Sawyer, and they have to, he has to fight, you know, N-word Jim, and it's just ridiculously hilarious. And so the scenes they're filming for the movie are very typical 80s, you know, long yelling outside, pouring rain fight scenes. And then he has a conversation with the director. Yeah, I'm blowing this all up. Sorry. He has a conversation with the director where he's like, um, this fighting style. And there it goes, look, you're eating, your fighting style of the 80s. It's not realistic. People don't just run at you one at a time in real life. They're all going to come at you. You need to, you need to adjust it. That's how it is nowadays. Cause that's, that's more realistic. And so Van Damme's just like, I don't know if I can do this movie thing after all because, like, this is not my style. This is not what I do. And his agent's like, well, you don't have to worry about that now. You need to go do your assignment. So he goes to this – his assignment is to go to this the secret warehouse lab thing and put place a tracking device. And there's one big funny thing I'm not going to reveal at all uh, with him being in the warehouse. But I'm just going to cut to – he brought his script with him, and he dropped it, so he had to go back and get it because his name was on it. 
and the, he find, and that's when it cuts to from the beginning of the scene with the big group of the security guards and everything. And they have a script and they're reading it and they're reading the lines like, wow, this is really good. And then the guy turns and goes, Jean-Claude Van Damme? And, and so they send one guy at him. And that's the guy that hits him with the stick. And then it cuts to him getting beat in the face by this guy. And then all of a sudden he turns the tides and makes the comeback and he gets up and he gets in this heroic fighting stance. And the guy, the, the leader goes, get him. But no, no, just one at a time. Cause we'll run into each other. Otherwise. <laughs> and so all these guys come at him one at a time <laughs> and he fights them all off. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. I absolutely loved it. Like awesome. Sincerely. I loved it. So so much. No, oh my God. I just, I made a note I just read and I'm laughing. I forgot. There's this whole scene where he gets set, we calls his agent. He's like, I'm going to get back into it. And so they do one of those typical workout montages. Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it, it does not go well for him. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> And then there's just, there's another scene where, they, and this show is only thirty minutes long, by the way. Um. Uh, yeah. So there's another scene where, like, the guy goes to give him his gun. He's like, "Here's your weapon," and then he sticks his foot up and goes, "This is my weapon," and then walks off. I mean, I love this so much. It's like literally like thirty one minutes long, I think, and is amazing, absolutely amazing. I had both that one and The Tick on my uh, yeah. watch list for Amazon Prime, so Seriously. I've got to check them out. Yes, especially the Jean-Claude Van Johnson. I loved it because he's spoofing himself, and if you like those 80s action movies, you're going to get plenty of that feeling to it, and it's it's awesome. It's it's not a spoof like um, uh, like that show, Andrew Tribeca, as far as, like, it's not like that type of thing where it's set over the top ridiculousness. Okay. It's more like we're going to take this typical 80s workout montage. We're just going to go the other way with it. And so it's, like, realistic, if you will. And it's just, it's great. I just, <laughs> it's great. I'm sorry. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Excellent. Well, that sounds like a hard sell to me. Oh, massively hard sell. It's it's my new pick of the year, practically. I as of right this second. Yeah, I just loved it so much. Awesome. <sighs> Cannot wait to check that one out. Yes, yes. Uh, this week I watched. I'm now four out of eight episodes into the night of. Remember last week I had started yes. with the first episode. Yes. <laughs> well. My main note from the second episode, I watched the second episode, and I had one note for it. And it sounds complex, but bear with me here. You know you watch an episode of Law & Order? Yeah, I love that show. Okay, so we'll pick, like, Law & Order or Law & Order SVU. Not criminal intent so much, but... So right. you watch the episode, and they're pretty formulaic. You start the episode with somebody discovering a dead body. Yep. Next thing you know, the detectives are there. They're interviewing somebody, and they're looking around. Uh, fast forward a little bit. Now we've got the detectives looking for clues. They're looking, they're interviewing suspects. Um, then we switch over to the law part or the order part. I don't even know how it works. And it always starts out with the crime, the discovery, the arrest. And then the second half is the, the trial part. That was how the original law and right. order formatted was. Right. Anyways. Okay. So you can picture a typical episode of Absolutely. law and order. Yeah. 
You know all the parts of the episode that they don't show you? You know, yes. like everything that they cut out because that would be the boring stuff? Mm-hmm. That was the whole second episode of this show. Really? That was my note, was this episode is all the boring stuff that you don't see on Law & Order because it's boring. It was almost painful to watch. As much as the first one had those really tense moments, the second episode like had, I counted it, I think it was three whole minutes collectively of John Turturro riding the subway to get either to court or from court, scratching his feet, um, and not talking to anybody. So just watching him ride the subway. There were a lot of scenes in this episode where there weren't people talking. Um, okay. Seeing the guy, the, the main character who's been, you know, convict, he hasn't been convicted yet. He's been uh, indicted for this girl's murder. Seeing him, like, in line to get on the prison bus and then on the prison bus. And I'm not talking just like a quick scene. I'm talking like, you know, a minute, two minutes of watching him just ride this bus. And then getting to prison and standing in line. And then watching people getting patted down and watching a guy have a cell phone pulled out of his anus. And it was so tedious, I wanted to cry blood. But I stuck with it. And I went in episode three, and I went in episode four. And the story is moving along, but it's changed so much from the first episode. Like now the kid's in prison, and he's like choosing sides between this guy who says he wants to help him and this guy who says he wants to help him, trying to avoid the gangs. Meanwhile, you've got John Turturro who wants to be his lawyer, but then this other, the, the DA's office sends over this woman who's like, oh yeah, I'll get him to plea down and you know, it won't cost you any money, but John Turturro is going to charge you $50,000 to be the lawyer and going back and forth on that. So there's movement and I'm still watching it. I'm going to watch it up through episode eight, but it really, really slowed down. And I actually had somebody message me the other night and say, uh, did you, watch any more since episode one and i said yep and it's really slow and it's this and it's this and they said to me i'm more concerned about what's happening with his feet and i didn't get it at the time but now that i've watched four episodes everybody in this show is obsessed with john Turturro's feet and if you think that i'm saying that as like a joke i am dead serious he when we're introduced to him in the beginning he's wearing like somebody once called them jesus shoes but they're the strappy sandals, not flip-flops, but strappy sandals. Yeah, yeah. And it's because he has really, really bad dermatitis. And his doctor told him to keep it exposed to the air and it should help. So every episode, at least two different people ask him how his feet are doing or how the feet are. And, I mean, we're talking bailiffs. We're talking judges. We're talking other lawyers, uh, people at the pharmacy other doctors, people who are in the courtroom who say, I know a doctor who can help you out with that. He's talked about how many different things he's tried on his feet. He's talked about this, this, this didn't work, but this did work. And somebody else says, no, no, wrap it in like a plastic bag and do this. And there is so much time and energy devoted to this man's dermatitis infected feet that I swear to God, that's more what the show feels like than this person who's in jail. Huh. It's bizarre how much time they spend talking about his feet. That is weird. It really is. Like, I thought that, even I thought I was exaggerating as I went into the third episode. I'm like, maybe it was just the first two, maybe we were just, and then the third episode and the fourth episode, I'm like, this is insane. This is the John Turturro's feet show. 
Um, hmm. I'm still planning on, on checking it out at some point. Oh, I hope you do. But um, that'll be interesting now that that's kind of there. I'll, I'll, I'll notice <laughs> it more. Yeah, I, I'd love to hear your take on it because I can imagine you saying, my God, you weren't kidding. Yeah. They just won't stop talking about his feet. <sighs> but that's all i got to say about that. Four episodes in. Can't wait to see what happens in the next four. So Dark Matter. Dark Matter. Great I episode. Am- I am an episode behind, actually. Oh. I, did not watch, I did not watch last night's episode yet. Okay. But I did watch the week before. Okay. Did I? I bet you did. I know I, at the very least I started it, but now I'm thinking I may not have finished that. But why not? I can't remember now because I'm thinking about it, and I remember – It was the uh, – They get in the jump drives – not the jump drives. They get in the uh, the clone – things. The clone pods, yeah. They wake up in the office, they go out to the ship, they have to try to find something to, to, to get the thing to make the uh, blink drive. Yes. I don't think, you know what, I didn't finish the episode. Why not? Did you fall asleep or just weren't interested? Oh no, I'm pretty sure I probably I'm pretty sure I probably dozed off now because now I can't even think of what the, how the episode ended and that's bothering me. Um, I could sum it up for you real quick. Yeah, just go right ahead. They turned on the blink drive. Yeah, because I know in episode eight they have a, this is the blink drive malfunction. So I read the little synopsis to it. Mm. So I know the blink drive malfunction. It's not so much a malfunction. It sends them to like a not parallel. Is it a parallel universe? Yes, it's a parallel okay, universe. Yeah. So uh, you know me, I'm a big fan of those. I'll always take oh, yeah. a parallel universe story. Um, oh man, yeah, and, I'm sorry. And it was a good one. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Cool. Yeah, you're going to enjoy that one. It, it explores, yeah. you know, what if they were like this and this was like this. Yeah, you know. I'm going to rewatch episode seven, I think. I don't I don't have a full grasp of it in my brain. And they did manage to uh, bring back Corso because in that alternate universe, he's still alive. Oh. Yeah, so they kept the actor around for a little bit at least. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. All right, I like how they did that then. Yeah, well, and they could be bringing him around more, but I'll let you uh, figure that out as you watch it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah. So you want to talk about Outcast? Um, in just a moment. Okay. Um, well, while you were talking about Dark Matter, I watched Killjoys this week, and that's still just as good. Um, we've kind of got two different stories going on right now, Johnny and uh, I call her the princess. She's It's one of those stories where you know she's working as a doctor and helping the slummy people of Old Town, but it turns out that she's actually royalty on her planet. And, um she uh, she had a big drinking and drug problem, and now she's cleaned up her act and just wants to help people. But anyway, so they're trying to uh, figure out what's going on in Old Town now that the barrier's up and the corporations kind of got everybody trapped in there. And it turns out that they not only have people trapped in the town, but they're administering through the air uh, a type of euphoria drug. So basically people don't realize it, but they're just happy. They just feel happy and they don't worry about things and they don't worry about the fact that there's a wall up. Yep. It's it's uh, very Serenity-esque and it's – I hope it's not going in that direction, but you never know. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we've got um, uh, Dutch and the other Jacoby brother who I can't think of his name right now. And they're trying to track down Klein and figure out why there's an exact clone of Dutch that – 
they've seen in flashbacks from years and years ago that look just like her and why is there somebody else that looks just like her out there and it was very slow paced on their end interrogating somebody looking into his mind figuring things out and then the revelation came that the clone or whatever it is that looks just like Dutch was the daughter of Klein, the guy who's been using her as a assassin since she was a little girl. Big, horrible revelation, you know. That's why he's been using her is because she looks just like his daughter from whenever he was around because he might be immortal. I'm digging it. I'm really digging it. Oh, cool. Yep. I love this show. I really keep saying it. You know, if you like Dark Matter, you love Killjoys. It's great. Um, and the only other thing that I'll say before Outcast is I binge-watched to catch up three episodes of Brain Dead, and the show has finally hit its stride. I actually found myself enjoying these three episodes. It uh, They're getting more into the science of it. They've explained some things, which I think they really needed to do from the beginning. But, you know, they actually had an episode where they tied up somebody who had some of the ants inside of his head and talked to him and interrogated him about what they're doing, why they're here, etc. Um, <clears throat> turns out that the only way to uh, kill these bugs and drive them out of your head is through engaging the other side of your brain, the... Uh, more reckless side, so drinking and having random sex and uh, stuff like that. It's quite interesting, which would explain why a lot of them are acting like, um, uh, well, a lot of the Republican types, you know, the uptight, stuffy types have the bugs inside their ears. Okay. So, yeah, I just wanted to say that that show did finally get good. Interesting uh, commentary on life. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, the only way to get these mind-altering bugs out of my head is to drink and party and dance and have lots of anonymous sex. Yeah, that's usually how you get a bug. (laughs) Not the good kind. (laughs) So, yeah, if you're caught up on shows, I will now talk about Outcast too. Yes, I have no more shows to talk about, or movies, actually. All I have is, I got some trailers I watched, and I have some movie news that, uh, it's it's kind of a weird pattern, but anyways. Okay. Alright, well then I'll go on about Outcast, and then we can get to the fun stuff. So, one of the main problems in Outcast, not problem with the show, but one of the main um, antagonizers for the main character, it, it was back... We find out that back in the day, uh, he came home and found his wife uh, attacking their daughter because the wife had one of these demons inside of her. He didn't realize that at the time. You know, he had left all that behind him. He didn't understand when he was a child that that's what it was with his mother, and that's why she recoiled from his touch. Um, So this was all foreign to him, but he ended up punching his wife because she had a demon in her, and... (sighs) Basically, the demon left, and everybody assumed that he had been beating his wife, that he had attacked the child, that he was beating his wife, so the entire town basically hated him. That's why we find him living alone, shut off from the world. Um, his He doesn't see his daughter. He doesn't see his ex-wife. Well, as this season has gone on, uh, he's reached out to his ex-wife because he wanted to see his daughter and because he wasn't sure, now that more demons are showing up, if it was going to come back into her. Like, if he had really gotten rid of the demon all those months ago or a year ago, or if 
this was going to pop back up and attack his daughter. So he's scared. You know, he sees these demons showing up and he thinks, what if she attacks people again? What if she goes after my daughter again? I can't accept that. So he's been kind of trying to push his way back into that relationship. And at one point, his ex-wife does break down and, and, you know, invites him in. They spend the night together and they have some uh, sexy times. And then she disappears. She just takes off and leaves him a note that says, I can't do this anymore. Checks herself into an asylum, basically. Uh, Doesn't want to be around her daughter because her daughter drew a picture and didn't put the face in. And she was like, well, why didn't you put mommy's face in? She's like, I don't know which face to draw. So now she's worried that she's got a demon inside of her still. She doesn't want to harm her daughter. So she's like, you keep her, Kyle. You keep the daughter. I'm not going to have anything to do with this because I don't trust myself. You can't trust me, etc. So that being said, we we come to the end here, like I was talking about, where uh, in the second to the last episode, Kyle's sister shockingly gets a demon inside of her. She's getting out of the shower and suddenly things just snap in her and she gets inhabited by a demon. And we get to see the first steps of a normal demon. And she, uh, she is very violent as Brent Spiner's character had said, her husband comes into the bathroom to check on her and she slams his head in the mirror and a shard of glass goes right through his throat. You get to see one of the most gruesome, bloody bleed outs of a character on a TV show that I've seen in quite a while. I mean, he sits there gasping and and asking her to help him, you know, help me, help me, barely able to breathe. And all she does, like the actress played it up as, you know, the demon trying to figure out where it was and what it was doing. So, you know, it's hunched over him and reaches down and grabs a piece of glass and plucks it out gently. So then the blood just flows everywhere, of course. And, uh, so her husband bleeds out on the floor. Uh, meanwhile, the two little girls, her daughter, and then Kyle's daughter, who was having a sleepover come in and see this, they freak out. You know, Kyle's daughter realizes that, you know, this is like what happened with mommy, that girls run away and hide. And, uh, now demon sister chases after them doesn't get her hands on them though fortunately they get away um she escapes out into the world and is taken in by uh demon stepford wife you know the guy who said oh my wife is so much of a better person now that she's got a demon inside of her they're trying to help her transition they're trying to help this demon inside of the sister transition kyle's not having none of that though Kyle's like, no, if there's a demon in my sister, I'm getting it out. There's no way that this is going to happen. Not going to allow it. So in the meantime, his daughter was picked up by the, by Brent Spiner's character, uh, basically an insurance policy kind of thing. You know, let me keep her so that you uh, don't try to do anything to me. And, uh, sorry, I needed a drink there. No worries. So, uh, now we've got this building, you know, the, the final showdown building is what I call it when you have those kind of things. So you've got Brent Spiner and a couple of demons in there and you've got Kyle who shows up and gets locked into a room with his daughter. And then out in the other room is his sister with the demon inside of her. He busts out and he's getting ready to go toe to toe with his sister, but he wants to be careful cause he doesn't want to kill her or anything. And you know, she starts manhandling him, just knocking him around, beating the crap out of him. And then out of the blue, his daughter jumps on her back and says, leave my daddy alone. And the demon is purged out of her girl gets a real de- uh, determined look on her face. And the demon just like flies right out. Just like what was happening with uh, Kyle. 
but from the daughter. So now he's got that realization under his belt that, oh, whatever I've got in me, my daughter has too. Lucky me. Um, this is why all while Brent Spiner had been telling him that, you know, like I'd said in the last episode, that um, they come from a different place. The demons come from a different place. They can't stay there anymore. They hate it there. That's why they come here to Earth. And he's like, well, what does it have to do with me? And he's like, you came here before any of us. We're all drawn to you because you've been here the longest. So he doesn't know if he's actually a demon or if he's something else that came out of wherever they come from. But now his daughter is as well, and that doesn't sit too well with him either. So the priest wants him to uh, stick around town. You know, they get his sister all calmed down, and she's now purged. She doesn't have the demon in her anymore, but she's got the knowledge that she killed her husband and has to raise their daughter alone. Yeah, that's pretty rough. And it kind of ended with Kyle and his daughter skipping town, and they stopped at, like, a gas station, and they're walking across the parking lot, and they get about halfway across, and they realize that there's about a half dozen people walking towards them. And the assumption is that these are all demons that are coming for them. And the girl gets this determined look on her face, like, you know, I'm going to kick some ass. And it just kind of stops there. Don't know what's going to happen. Don't know what's happening with them. Great show, though. It, it was. Re- I like the fact that the uh, episode, the final episode there where we realize his daughter's got this ability too, was called This Little Light of Mine. I assume it was more <laughs> of a reference to her than... It's a clever title. Yep. But yeah, so I'll be interested to see what happens in season two. Like, is he going to skip out on town and leave the preacher there to deal with whatever's happening or you know he wants to get his daughter away obviously he doesn't want her involved in all this but if these things are drawn to him then why wouldn't they just be drawn to him in a different section of town or or a different state or whatever right right so yeah that's my recap of the uh quickness of outcast sweet if, if anybody does get a chance to watch it i do recommend it it's very dark twisted but worth it well, have we moved on to the, the news and trailer section of the show? Uh, let me check my news ticker here. Yes, I believe we have. Fantastic. So I watched a lot of trailers. And some of them I'm, I'm going to get into. The, I'm basically just going to give a quick brush by on most of them. Excellent. Because it's a scenario of none of the trailers I saw, really, for the most part, made me go, oh, this looks great. Mostly made me go, huh. Okay. So anyways, uh, the first one's called Don't Worry Baby, and it's, 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 it's an odd story about a father and son that may have both impregnated the same woman, and they're trying to figure out whose child is, 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 is belongs to which one of them. What? Yeah, exactly, right? Basically what it is is – Tell me it's a comedy because – It's, it's like a comedy. dramatic – it's more of a drama than a comedy. What? Yeah, yeah. And I can't think of the guy's name now, but there's one actor in it that would be like, okay, I've seen him and he's a British actor. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. Are you sure this wasn't Bridget Jones's baby? Because that's the exact same idea behind it except they're not no, father and son. No, the Bridget Jones's baby is similar. But no, basically what it is is it's an estranged father and son. And uh, apparently there, there's this woman who has like a six-year-old. And back when she was got pregnant, she had actually had sex with both of them. But like she didn't know they were father and son. They didn't know they had seen the same woman. I think one was in a relationship and one was like a one-night stand type of thing. 
maybe. I don't know. Anyways, but basically the story is the little boy loves both of them and they're trying to figure out who the father is. I don't know. I'm 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 I don't know if I'll ever watch that. I can say that I probably will not ever. It confounded me enough that I wanted to bring it up. Okay, good. that's a good reason to bring it up yeah. because you're confounded. Yeah, I was just I I don't like someone else watch this. Let me know if you think you would watch it or not. I just I don't know. It was weird. The trailer hit me to the point where it's like instead of not talking about it, I want to talk about how weird it is. Gotcha. It's like a it's a very it's it's like a Mori Povich episode that all the screaming and yelling. Uh, <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Uh, when I did watch, I watched this trailer called Tell Me How I Die. And it's a group of college students who are um, confined to a living quarters. And they have to take an experimental drug to see how it affects them. So it's a controlled test environment. And basically it starts giving them visions on, on how they're going to be murdered. And I think there's one primary one primary girl who who sees it the most, and she can see it happening at this home. And of course, no one believes her at first. And it's a cast of pretty much unknowns. It looks really good, though. I don't know if it's going to be a video on demand or, or theater thing. I was just watching. I I had gone to YouTube to watch a trailer, and they just started playing trailer after trailer after trailer. Gotcha. So this one caught my eye, and I didn't really look into it that much, but it looks it looks interesting. Okay. So check out that trailer. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, I watched a trailer called Amateur Night. It's uh, Jason Biggs and Ashley Tisdale. And basically it's it's based on a true story of Jason Biggs' character who is desperate for work because his wife is pregnant. He, he works in Hollywood and he's trying to be an actor and it's not working out for him. So he answers a Craigslist job ad for a driver and he thinks he's going to be delivering pizzas. But in fact, he's delivering prostitutes and hilarity so interesting I, that's again another i may watch this one because the trailer actually did look pretty good so check that out okay i know no hard sells on any of these yet so far and i'm pretty sure it's how we're gonna and i only got one hard sell <laughs> okay uh i'm not a serial killer this is very interesting because this this centers around uh, a midwestern teenager who's been diagnosed as a sociopath and the town knows he is, and people start getting murdered, and he witnesses it. And, of course, they all think it's him, but they can't prove it's him. But he knows who it is, or he's seen who it is, and it's kind of a supernatural, paranormal-type thing, serial killer. And no one believes him, of course, but it looks really cool. It looks really dark. It looks really cool. Um, so, yeah, check out that trailer. Okay. Yeah. Um, Arrival. Yes, I did watch that one. That's on my Amy list. Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. And uh, Amy Adams plays a linguist who is trying to communicate with an alien race and translate their language and everything. An alien race that has actually come to Earth. Yes, it has come to Earth in like these giant like monolith-type ships, and there's a dozen of them around the world and this and that. And here's where I go from here on this one. This movie looks really, really good. Like, and to me in the trailer, I, I think it looks great. I like the storyline. Um, it's going to be very unbelievable to me that it's going to be pulled off as a good movie, though. 
I think it's going to be very disappointing and it's going to suck. Yes, the uh, I was thinking the same thing, actually. I was like, boy, you know, the conspiracy theorist in me, the ancient aliens watcher, is like, yes, aliens coming down to Earth and trying to translate their stuff. But the realist in me is like, this is going to be terrible. It's going to suck, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's going to be like an Independence Day where all of a sudden the guy managed to write a program that communicated with the aliens' language even though they don't know what it is. Yep. This is basically the version of we're going to take a long time trying to figure out what this language is, and somehow I'm going to be able to translate it and figure it out, uh, even though it seems like it's an impossibility because I'm that damn good with hieroglyphics. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the trail looks great, all the potential in the world, and I think it's going to be a terrible letdown and be very disappointing. Yep, I feel the same way. I think that people aren't going to like the fact that there's yep. not enough action in it. Yep, they're going to say that you know, well, Independence Day at least had action, and I think that it's going to be a lot of people whining and cussing because they can't figure out this language, etc. Yeah, and I think it was like Aaron and Martin and I were talking about it on, in the chat yesterday, and we basically all came to the same conclusion. Wow, this looks great. It's probably going to suck really bad. <laughs> yep, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they're they're like. Yep, that I feel the same way. <laughs> it's terrible, uh, but you know, it, yeah. it's, if we're all thinking it, then there's there's a reason behind that. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron goes. I think it's gonna be a great movie until you see the aliens, and the whole rest of the movie will suck as par for the course. So. <laughs> uh, let's see here, um, Mr. Church. You know what? Just go watch the trailer. It's an Eddie Murphy flick. It's not a comedy in any way, shape, or form. It's a drama. It looks decent. I actually probably will watch this with my wife at some point. But just go watch the trailer. It's It Eddie looks Murphy. decent. And it's Eddie Murphy. It's a drama movie. Basically, like, it's... He plays a guy who comes into this mother and daughter's life at a time when I, I think someone has died and allegedly paid for him to be a cook for them for six months. But like that he ends up staying, I don't know. And he ends up staying with them for years, and then the little girl grows up and becomes an adult, and then gets impregnated, and then comes back to to live with Mister Church. And I don't know. It's it, just watch the trailer. Okay. I'm not giving it a hard sell, but I'm going to give it. A, I'll probably watch this with my wife. Okay. And it actually it looks like a decent flick, but it's very drama. Drama, lovey-dovey, orientated type movie. Gotcha. Yeah, but the the one hard self flick I am gonna do, and I love I know this. what it's gonna be. Oh, okay. What's it gonna be? No, go ahead. You were gonna All say right. I love this. All right, maybe. Uh, I know it's gonna be terrible, probably, um, and groany and eye rolly. But I, I don't care. I, I'm still I'm still giving it a hard sell. It's called In the Valley of Violence. Oh no, I was wrong. Okay. Uh, basically, Ethan Hawke, this is an Old West movie. It's an Old West. It's a Western in the Old West. Ethan Hawke is a drifter. And he and his dog are trying to get the old Mexico. So it's a Western. Yes, it's a Western. In the Old West. In the Old West. And he goes to the town of Denton. And it's one of those, the law is crooked town. And the, the marshal is John Travolta. Oh, God, no. Yes. Yes. And of course, guess what? They ruffle each other's feathers. Guns are shot. People are killed. It looks awesomely terrible. I cannot <laughs> wait to watch this. Awesomely terrible. That's awesome. what I look for in a movie. 
in the flick. There's this hotel owned by two sisters that bigger with each other, and I can't pronounce her name. Taisa Farmaja. Yep, I know who you're talking about. And Karen Gillan. <laughs> Outstanding. I am very excited about this movie. I think it's going to be absolutely terrible and awesome at the same time. Terrawesome? Terrawesome. Yes, terrawesome. Anyways, that's that's it. What was the one you thought I was going to give a hard sell to? Maybe I saw it and forgot all about it. I know you saw it, and I know you forgot all about it, because we talked about it the other day, but that would be Batman Return of the Caped Crusaders. Oh, yes, yes. I can't believe that was a hard sell. Oh, dude, I cannot wait to watch that. Adam I, West I, and Burt Ward reprising their roles Yes, Batman and Robin. And Julie Newmar's Catwoman. Yes. And the animation is they're drawn like the 1960s TV show. Uh-huh. And it looks amazing. <laughs> it was so cheesy. They the were tr- on a TV dinner tray being uh, conveyor belted towards an oven. A and huge TV dinner tray. Yeah. And they, they were the entree. And they had, like, vegetable and apple crisp and potato in the other sections of the tray. It's and, amazing. And it was, they were making so many jokes about, you know, just desserts and... Oh, it was it was just great. Robin says, "Holy entree, Batman!" Yes, come on, <laughs> come on. I love it. Yeah, Batman breaks the ropes by driving his hands into like the mashed potato, I think, to loosen them up or whatever, and then it's great. Yep, I'm very very excited about it. Yeah, I'll be interested to see the other because like all the villains are supposed to be in it from the '60s series. I don't know if Batgirl's going to be in it or not. But they, the only people they've said, well, because it's one of the ones that are alive, is uh, Julie Newmar, Burt Ward, and Adam West are going to be reprising their roles as the voices of the characters. So that's awesome. Nice. I'm, I'm awesome. excited for that. Yes, me too. The only other trailer that I watched was uh, just kind of popped up for me, and I checked it out. It's called Zoom. And it's odd because there's like three or four movies coming out last year and this year called Zoom. And this yeah. is not the Tim Allen one or with Courtney Cox Arquette uh, where he plays an aging superhero. This is uh, – it's got Tyler Labine and Allison Pill. And I love Tyler Labine. I think he's just awesome. Um, but basically from the looks of it, there are a couple of um, – I, I guess they ship mannequins to places. Um, and they discover that they, they get a deal from somebody on some drugs, and they discover that they could uh, ship the drugs inside their mannequins and make some money and cut out the middleman and you know sell drugs and make some money. And that's like one part of the story, but the other part of the story is that Allison Pill is an artist, and she's writing this comic book character who seems to come to life on the page and is quite upset with the way that she's writing him and the fact that she didn't give him a bulge in his pants and stuff like that. It was an odd trailer to watch. It was interesting. Yeah, it made me want to check out more about it. But like I said, it's hard. You you keep finding write-ups, and they're for like some movie by an Indian director starring Indian actors and um, huh. but it was a f- fairly interesting trailer to watch. I might check it out when it comes out. Like if I happen to see it on a channel and I'll be like, oh yeah, I remember I was going to check that out, but it's definitely not a hard sell kind of thing. Okay. Fair enough. So we both watched the new MacGyver trailer they released and you had said you're going to check it out because it's MacGyver. And I yep. had said, 
this looks terrible. Like, I hate everything about it because it's not MacGyver to me. It's not the traditional MacGyver, no. It, it's full of beautiful people. Like, really attractive people. Like, every member yeah. of this team is gorgeous. Yeah. I'm still going to check it out, though, because I mean, got to have the spirit in it. But, dude, the whole trailer is like a Michael Bay trailer. There's so many explosions oh, hell yeah. in it. It's completely like MacGyver never like MacGyver got us into over some over the top scenarios, yep. right? But he also got us some pretty simple scenarios. Like it seems like every scenario in the trailer, at least, is so over the top and elaborate. I don't know. I'm not. I'll probably watch it to watch it, but I'm not. It's a sizzle reel. Yeah, they're putting all the exciting explosive stuff in there. Here's another new show I'm going to talk about. I'm going to do my news rundown real quick. I got a bunch of horror movie information. Uh, I don't know why I did this. I just did. But Tales from the Crypt is getting rebooted and comes out in 2017. And one of the huge downsides is that M. Night Shyamalan is the executive producer. The other huge downside is that they're rebooting Tales from the Crypt. Well, I love Tales from the Crypt. Oh, I did too. Uh, I don't think it needs to be rebooted. Apparently, the Crypt Keeper, the puppet, is property of HBO. And so there will be a Crypt Keeper, just not the one we know somehow. Like, oh, that's what he's gone this. on Twitter and said, yeah. So there's the other thing. So it's kind of like, whatever, you douchebag. So I'm going to talk about some classic horror movie uh, franchises real quick. Okay. Because I started looking at one and then I started looking at the others and I was like, oh, wow, there's kind of interesting. Um, Halloween. I think we may have covered this, but John Carpenter's return to the franchise. Uh, they, they're working on the movie now, and it's going to take place chronologically after his Halloween 2, and then they're going to ignore ignore the rest of the franchise. Somebody needs to ignore Season of the Witch. Well, that, that's not really a Halloween <laughs> movie. I know it's got Halloween in the title, but they should just call the movie Season of the Witch. They, but anyways, they slapped Halloween 3 on it. I, I hold that they have to be held accountable. Well, because the original plan was... The Halloween movie franchise was going to be like an anthology where every, there's going to be a different horror movie theme for Halloween and like going forward. But then after House Season of the Witch bombed out so bad, they just went back to Michael Myers for part four. Gotcha. Yeah. So anyways, uh, but he's coming back and it's going to take place after his original Halloween 2. And I believe one of the deputies in Halloween 2 is now going to be the sheriff of the town. It's going to be the same actor. Okay. Yeah. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, absolutely nothing new. There's been news popping up here and there about a reboot of the Jack Earl Haley flick, which I know gets just pooped all over, but I liked it. I did as well. Um, and I, the only the, the most recent rumblings was, you know, um, Robert England saying that he will not play the new Freddy Krueger if they ever do a new movie. But nothing new. Okay. Uh, some new information on the new Friday the 13th flick. The possible release date is October 13th, 2017. Uh, the uh, the guy that just directed, uh, uh, Brett Eisner, he's the director. He directed The Crazies and The Last Witch Hunter, amongst other bunches of other stuff. And this new flick is going to explore the Voorhees family of Pamela Jason and his father Elias, which we've oh. never really seen. Yeah. So it's really going to explore the Voorhees family. Um 
again, they haven't said if it's going to be a reboot, if it's going to be a sequel, if that's going to be flashback material. But I feel like they're going reboot on this because the Friday the Thirteenth that they came out with in part uh, I don't know if, I don't know what part is officially is I don't know if it's part eleven or twelve it all depends on where you fall Freddy versus Jason if that's in the chronological series or if that's just a standalone flick but the the most recent one they did was never a remake it was just another movie it was a sequel essentially but they just called it Friday the Thirteenth you know what I'm talking about yeah Jared Padalecki yes thank you they never did it they, they did no Jason origin story it was just a sequel. I again, I enjoyed it. I thought that movie was good. So, I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought of me as far they didn't try to recreate the character. They didn't try to do anything with him. He's Jason Voorhees. So I don't know. Right. I thought it was decent. But anyways, uh, so then Saw Seven, uh, Saw Eight. They put a poster up on IMDb. I don't know if it's legitimate poster or what it is, but if you go to IMDb, there's a poster for Saw 8 up there. That's the only new thing other than, you know, it's filming starts next month and it comes out October 27th, 2017. But the poster they have up is cool. It's a really cool looking poster. There's a woman's face kind of like in a mask, like Hannibal Lecter maybe or whatever you want to call it. And it's at the top of the poster, but she's looking down. And then underneath this is like saw, and it's got like this spikes and everything, and it makes the comment that it's like the most thrilling saw movie yet, or whatever. So I don't know. This most, October, prepare for the most puzzling saw movie to the most date. Puzzling saw movie. That's what it is. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Uh, okay. So <laughs> they're making another Chucky movie comes out next year. Hold on, just a second. Yeah. I just wanted you to know that it looks like that is legit. Yeah. Uh, that poster. Um, they're calling them Legacy. So there's a bunch of different posters. So like there's one where the Roman numeral for eight is all shattered glass and it's shattered legacy. That one is called tortured legacy. Okay. Uh, there's one with a blood splatter that says bloody legacy. Uh, play- I only saw, where are you seeing all these? Uh, I just Googled it and it's on moviepilot.com. Oh, uh, okay. I see. I only saw the one on IMDb. So. There's an x-ray of a guy's arm and in the, in between the bones is a key. Yeah. That's hidden legacy. So, Okay, cool. So yeah. there's a bunch of saw posters they've released then. Yep, I'll show you. I'll send you the link. Cool. Uh, so again, they're making a new Chucky movie. Comes out next month. A new Child's Play. Jennifer Tilly returns as Tiffany, Chucky's wife. She had a cameo at the end of the most recent one, anyways. Which again, I actually thought that was a decent flick. Is she returning as the doll version or the human? Human, version? human form. Okay. Because the other the other flick was, um, and the other flick. Uh, Chucky the doll, whatever, it's, he's sent to, it kind of makes it look like it's maybe a re, it's not a reboot, it was definitely a sequel, because by the end of it, the doll is actually wearing masks to hide all his scars and everything he got from the other movies, Okay. and and then the end of the flick, he's mailed to Andy, and then they show Jennifer Tilly as a human form, and they show that, you know, uh, Chucky, and she's mailing Chucky to Andy, so they kind of basically set it up as it was, but that was... This looks like it's coming out next year. Uh, oh, yeah. So uh, Hellraiser Judgment it comes out next year. It's the 10th film in the Hellraiser franchise. Good God. I know, right? Doug Bradley, who played Pinhead in the first eight films, does not return. Pinhead in this one's going to be a guy named Paul T. Taylor, so he'll be the third actor to portray the lead Cenobite. Uh, but what I thought was kind of interesting why I bring it up is that uh, Heather Lincoln Lamb, 
Lang- Langenkamp is going to be uh, starring in this flick. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, she played Nancy Thompson, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. And she also played her again in... Uh, Art the... 3, and then in Wes Craven's New Nightmare, she plays herself. Yes. And Nancy, so, yeah. It'll be interesting. I thought that was kind of... That's the only reason why I bring it up. And uh, the last bit of movie news I have is uh, Super Troopers 2. woo According to their Indiegogo campaign, they're going to start filming again the first week of September. I think this is taking a lot longer than they planned. And if, if you go on to the message board on their Indiegogo, there's some people that are accusing them of being crooks. And uh, <laughs> Big surprise. Yeah, um, because, you know, they then they got all this money donated to them, like, quite a long time ago now, and the film's still not out. But they allegedly start filming uh, again first week of September or something like that, according to the most recent update from a few days ago. And that's uh, when all those people that paid... Uh, and their prize, if you will. Yeah, the backers that paid them is for them to have their movie appearance and all that other stuff. Uh huh. That apparently is when that's all going to be happening, I guess. So I'm, I'm just I'm, excited to see the movie. I'm not. No? Nope. I think, I mean, don't get me wrong, I loved Super Troopers, but then I saw the parade of crap that they came out with after that. And I've come to realize that. The only reason that they're making a second Super Troopers is because they want people to lay down more money. And I just have this feeling that they're not going to be able to capture the magic that they had in the first one because we've seen it already. They're going to try to rehash the same jokes, and they're going to try to make it more over the top like they did with their their movies after that. And I just think it's going to miss the mark really bad. So super, they're basically Super Troopers is their one-hit wonder. Yes, I and really think trying, that it is. And now they're trying to cash in on a sequel. That's what I think. Uh, that may be the cynic in me, but I just I have this bad feeling that that's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to come out, and people are going to go, what the hell is wrong with you guys? And they're just going to laugh all the way to the bank and say, well, yeah. we're done. Well, I, you know, and I can see why you would think that or why you feel that way. Um I think it'll definitely. I think they'll make their money back on it, whatever. Which you know is really not much out of pocket for them, anyways. But I definitely think they'll make their money back on it. But yeah, I can I can see why you'd feel that way. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. I would love to see a Super Troopers two that like makes me laugh more than the first one, and and I'm like, yes, this is it. This is the one that I've been waiting for. But I just got a bad feeling. I mean, I liked uh, Club Dread. Really. Yeah, I liked Club Dread. I thought that was interesting. I didn't hate it by any means. I didn't um, hate it, but I thought that it was very weak. You know, I thought that they put more of their budget into getting um, well-known stars at the time. But like, uh, what was the other? Beer Fest and uh, stuff after that. I wasn't a big fan of Beer Fest at all. I didn't I didn't care for that. The, what was it? Slam and Salmon. I didn't care for that one either. Me either. Yeah. So, but I like I've liked other stuff they've done. Like if you look at the actors themselves and other stuff they've been in, like Jay Chandradesh, I can't pronounce his name, but I mean he directs TV shows and other movies and, and writes them like that, and writes and and I I enjoy that I, I enjoy that stuff that he's done. So yep, I have enjoyed some of the stuff he, that they've that they've all done after that. I liked um, seeing uh, Farva on How I Met Your Mother as Ted Mosby, sex architect. Oh my god, that was hilarious! Yeah, I enjoyed that as well. So, but anyhow, I know what you're saying though, because after 
Super, like Super Troopers was a, 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 a let's just put it on this a weird scale, but Super Troopers was like amazing. You yes. Know? Club Dread was okay. That's a decent follow up, and then it just went downhill from there. Yeah. And it is like okay, we're gonna go back to Super Troopers because that was our first hit, and you know maybe that'll. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, I see where you're going with that. It's kind of like M Night Shyamalan, to be honest. Yes. Like I love the Sixth Sense. I thought Unbreakable was good. And then everything else after that has been crap to the point where I haven't watched his most recent stuff. To the point where his name is now considered a joke, kind of like you said. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's going to be doing uh, yeah. Tales from like, the Crypt. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when they do M. Night Shyamalan, you don't hear M. Night Shyamalan, the director of The Village in The Happening. <laughs> signs. Water and, yeah, it's Signs. It's M. Night Shyamalan, director of The Sixth Sense, because that was, again... That was his amazing first flick, and then everything else after that. Unbreakable, I thought was still was still good. Yep. But everything else after that has been terrible. terrible. Agreed. So, you got anything else you want to share today, sir? I do. I do. Okay. Uh, I read that they're going to be doing yet another. I know it's a saturated market, but they're going to be doing yet another Sherlock Holmes movie. With Robert Downey Jr.? No, no. Uh, this one is called Holmes and Watson. And uh, Sherlock Holmes will be played by Will Ferrell. Oh, and Watson no. will be played by John C. Riley. No, no. And it no, will be no, a PG 13 no. comedy. And apparently, oh. originally, it was supposed to be Will Ferrell and Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. But Sasha Baron Cohen backed out, so they decided to go with John C. Riley. Hold on a second. Hello. Hey. Okay, I'll see you in a little bit. Bye. So that was my wife, and she's just leaving her mother's, and she needs me to come outside to, to get the baby. Okay. So I think that's going to be a terrible movie. I think it's going to be a terrible movie as well. So, but um, otherwise, I'm, I'm going to have to cut it short. I'm sorry. All right. I'll save my other news for next week then. Sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> well, we all work on your schedule, so. Well, that is that is sadly true. Um, my wife's just getting back from Maryland, and I could hear the kids screaming in the background. So, all right, cool. Well, uh, thanks for, for listening. And, yes, uh, thank you, please, everybody. Please listen to us again next week. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter at uh, SuperstarML. And I'm the Quantum Geek, G33K. Thanks for all the feedback, everybody. Yes, and then uh, the show itself is at What Did You Watch? And then we have the uh, the Facebook page, What Did You Watch? So check it all out and let us know what you think or suggestions, comments, criticisms, whatnot. It's cool. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Talk to everybody later. Bye.